On this episode of Another Digital Citizen, we will talk news of the week, TV and movies of the week, Eurovision, we will uh, predict the Oscars and Razzies, we will talk about that 90s show episode 7, and another digital review of Creed 3. Another, di another, digi another digital citizen. Another digital citizen. Another digital citizen. Another digital citizen. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode 387. Hi, Luke. Hi, for everybody. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, some fun facts about 387. Oh, yeah. This is the day now. Yes. I guess so. There's, there, yes, there's a movie from 2019 called uh, uh, Numero 387. And it is the story of the Greek physician who collected pedants and bracelets. This is the story of an Italian woman who has been fighting for 15 years to make bodies talk. This is the story of who watcher over the forgotten migrants, immigrants. Okay, is that a documentary? Mm -hmm. Does it say? Yeah. It yeah. is a documentary. A documentary from 2009 from Italy, yes. I was going to say, I've never heard of that, but maybe it's foreign film because it sounds foreign by the name of mm -hmm. it. Uh, plus 387. Uh, do you want to guess? Uh, what country? Country code 387. Hmm. It's got to be mm -hmm. one of the later numbers, right? Because three, so, or later countries to, like, exist. Mm, something in the Eastern Bloc, I'm guessing? It is something in the Eastern Bloc. I'm pretty amazed by that. Okay. It's, Bos it's Bosnia and Herzegovina. I just figured because those countries were created so much later in time, because they're, like, yeah. split off from uh, the U USSR, so it makes sense that they would be later in the time code. So, I was doing mm -hmm. logic there. According to an article from Business Standard, uh, uh, you know, the very uh, known uh, newspaper, Business Standard, 5G towers up in 387 uh, districts national-wide by 2024, says the Telecom Minister of India. Wait, so what if 5G in India runs at, a, at 387 hertz or something? No, 387 districts oh, I have, see. will get, get 5G in uh, uh national uh national and that's in the wiki century. why is that in the wiki that seems <laughs> it's not in the wiki it's just an article i found when i was searching for facts about 387 okay yeah interesting mm -hmm. yes uh, 387 uh, hertz is not important in any way, at least. But you can find the tone for 387 hertz on YouTube uh, if you need to hear that. I don't know why you would want to hear that. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently there are, yeah. there's, a, there's a website, Sound Frequencies for the Human Body, and it has the different mm. benefits for each uh, sound frequency. I don't know how this seems fake. That's not real, right? I don't know. 
Sant um, uh, uh, Monica also died in 387. Bad for her. Who? Never heard of her. Saint Monica. She was the mother of Augustine. This website is really crazy. It says, there, there, these are anecdotal free frequencies with new strain. Of course, these are all experimental and derived, and there is no guarantee of beneficial effects. They are just reports from researchers. It is still recommended to purchase frequency sets to compute, commute based on the DNA of the new strain. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's got, like, all these different things, like abscesses. It has all these different numbers of frequencies you can use to, like, uh -huh. cure that, and then acute pain. It's got... Three different kinds of AIDS, four different kinds of AIDS. Uh, <laughs> but if you have allergies, uh, it seems like ten thousand. There's a lot of things uh, in the frequency ten thousand. It's like al Alzheimer's, AIDS, alcoholism, al allergies, and alcoholism both on ten thousand hertz. So <laughs> to get rid of or get, I just uh, it says beneficial effects. So whatever that means. Oh. It'll yeah, help with right. it in whatever way, I guess. Uh, what uh, sequences to have Anna syndrome in on? That's a good question. Uh, I, I'd have to. I I don't think this. Oh, this is from 2020, so I don't think it's updated because I don't think that oh, existed in 2020. That's well, too bad. Actually, it did, didn't it? 2018, it was when it was around, but yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know what the sequence would be for cricket noise. Uh, there's probably... That's what they said. Said it was. Cricket noise hurts. Sequence. L let me look it up. <laughs> now we're looking. Cricket species evolved to communicate at a low frequency of 2 to 8 uh, kHz. A human ear cannot de can only detect between 20 and 20,000 kHz. Uh, okay. The frequency of a normal range of a cricket is 10 kHz, whatever, kilohertz, I would assume. Mm -hmm. But we can hear uh, crickets, so what is that? that? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that makes absolutely Oh, the no chirping sense. sound can be 100 decibels. Maybe they communicate uh, at like a lower frequency and then um, and, and make noise and at a higher frequency. Noise yeah. at the higher, yeah. That's that pretty be. cool. I didn't know commu that, they communicated like that. Me neither. Uh, talk about the Havana Syndrome. Cuba blasts the United States for years of discarding evidence, and I'm going to use that very loosely, uh, on the Havana Syndrome. Cuba on Thursday blasted the U.S. for taking too long to accept evidence that the ailment Havana Syndrome was not likely caused by a foreign en enemy. A global spanning uh, U.S. intelligence investigation declassified a last Wednesday, which we talked about, concluded it was mm -hmm. very unlikely a forward adversary was responsible for the mysterious sickness. Um, Cuba has for years labeled has labeled this as science fiction, the idea that Havana Syndrome resulted from the attack by a foreign agent. Its top scientist in 2021 even found no such evidence for al these allegations. The U.S. State Department did not immediately reply for a quest for comment, of course, but U.S. officials of have course. previously said the science was inconclusive and the ongoing and ongoing, and that the government has opted to err on the side of caution to determine its policies. Right. I think they're saying okay. like what 
we just said it was uh, dangerous because we didn't know if it was dangerous or not, so we erred on the side of you. Be better safe than sorry, is what they're saying. Yeah. So we blamed Russia. That, that you know, better safe than sorry. Yeah, I mean Russia, Russia, Russia is to blame for everything. I mean, they are totally behind the. Uh, Everything, aren't they? Aren't they the ruler of the universe, more or less? I guess so. Yeah, um, we'll yeah. probably do. There'll probably be like a world police two or Team America two, and it'll be in space. <laughs> Team America space. two in space. Yeah. Oh, I would love. And to instead of it being Team America, it'll be that. Space Force, right? Yeah. Yes. Or we could have the same Three characters, puppets. the same puppet characters, yes. but instead of being in the military, they've moved over to being in the Space Force. We're just writing I for would... you now, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> yes, we would love to see that. Yeah, and you can pay us. Uh, just send it yes. Send it to our email address, anotherdigitalcitizen yeah. at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, since Russia is uh, for everything blamed... Uh, how are they going to spin this? Because new intelligence points to pro-Ukraine group in Nord, Nord Stream attack. Right, we covered pretty recently the uh, thing by Seymour Hirsch, which he said it was the U.S. Now U.S. officials. And Norway. Yeah, and Norway. U.S. With, yes. with the help of Nor Norway, right. But now yes. U.S. officials have seen new intelligence that indicates that pro-Ukrainian group, in quotes, was responsible for the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline. This is according to the mm -hmm. New York Times. Uh, these claims have been dismissed by senior Ukrainian officials in a cautious report that did not identify its sources. Uh, or the groups involved, the Times said the U.S. officials have no evidence implicating the president of Ukraine in the bombing, but the attacks benefited Ukraine by severely damaging Russia's ability to reap millions by selling natural gas. At the same time, it added pressure to high energy prices on the key Ukrainian allies, particularly Germany. This is the thing that was cited in the Seymour Hersh documentary or mm. documents. Uh, so, uh, in in this way, it actually agrees with his, but in another way, obviously the people who did it it does not agree with it the intelligence suggests the perpetrators behind the sabotage were quote-unquote opponents of president vladimir putin of russia the times report said uh u.s officials have no indication of who took part in or organized and paid for the operation which have required which would have required skilled divers and explosive experts so i mean if it's pro-Ukrainian, it still could actually be America and Norway, funny enough. Well, here it says they believe those involved were probably Ukrainian or Russian nationals that were, mm. and n that none of them were from the United States or Britain. That's according to the U.S., of course. Um, mm. There was something in here about the yacht. It said, the yacht in question, this is the one that was supposed to have, like, gone out and actually placed the explosives, right? Um, right. Was said to have been rented out of a company based in Poland, uh, belonging to Ukrainians, per a German report which referred only to sources in multiple countries. The commando group is said to have set sail from Germany on September 6th and was 
localized and followed the day of the Danish island in uh, the Baltic. Uh, the yacht was subsequently returned to the owner and uncleaned, and investigators were able to find traces of explosives on the table in the cabin. The pipelines were ruptured by subsea explosions on t September 26th, seven months after the Russian forces invaded. U.S. officials have no firm conclusions about the intelligence, leaving open the possibility that the operation might have been conducted off the books by a proxy force with connections to the Ukrainian government or its security services. So. Wow. Well done. <laughs> Uh, I saw I an, our, an interview with Seymour Hearst this morning talking about this. Mm. Uh, it even says here, in February, veteran U.S. investigative journalist Seymour Hearst reported the U.S. was behind the operation to bomb the Nord Stream pipelines and that Norway assisted. The White House has blasted his report as complete fiction. Um, he says that he stands behind his reporting and that everything that... He, matches up as far as these two articles is true and that um whatever else is going on here because they don't really name any specific like group it says it could be pro-ukrainians or it could be right russian dissidents uh so like you said that could leave open the possibility that it was like norwegian or american divers if they're just yeah their whole thing was just being pro-ukrainian yeah Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I have a, I have a theory. Maybe it just was an invisible hand that did it. I guess so. Oh, here's something interesting. Actually, German investigators mm -hmm. believe the unidentified group was made up of five men and one woman using professionally falsified passwords to pass uh, through Poland. I guess. Yeah. I'm. Oh. Yeah, they, that sounds like something that could be done by the Invisible Hand. Isn't the Invisible Hand mm -hmm. like a thing from uh, James Bond or something? James Bond? I think so, the Invisible Hand. Okay. Or maybe I'm thinking of like some other like you know uh, spy novel or something. I was thinking of like Goldfinger, but uh, I have... Don't remember the invisible hand to have anything to do with James Bond. Yeah, I don't I know. I could be wrong. Hmm. I could be wrong. But yeah, talking about invisible hands, uh, China says Ukraine crisis is driven by invisible hand. That's right. Uh, this is coming after everything we talked about with, you know, the divisions between China and the U.S. the last few weeks, I guess, st really starting... What, with uh, the Taiwan visits and then the spy balloon? That's what this is all kind of mm -hmm. coming out of. Uh, the Ukraine crisis seems to be driven by an invisible hand pushing for the pro protraction and escalation of conflict, China's foreign minister said on Tuesday. Uh, he said it is using Ukraine crisis to certain uh, geopolitical agendas... Kin said on the sidelines of an annual parliament meeting in Beijing, conflict, sanctions, and pressures will not solve the problem. The process of peace talk should be as soon as possible, and the legitimate security concerns of all parties should be respected, he said. Uh, this is a reiteration of China's position on Ukrainian war amid growing tension between Beijing and the European Union, which has questioned China's security 
and mediator as it has refused to name Russia as the aggressor of the conflict. Uh, China is not a part is not a party to the crisis and has not provided weapons to either sides of the conflict. So on what basis is the talk of blame, sanctions, and threat against China? This is absolutely unacceptable, he said. I think that's actually a good point. <laughs> it's like, why are you pulling up? Like, I think yeah, I said that last week. It's like, why are they just yeah. like, why are you pulling us into this kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Leave us out of this. We have other things to do. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to overtake the entire world just like you. Can you just leave us alone already? I mean, it's, yeah. they are trying to do that. That's not like... Um... Oh, yeah. No, that's not that's not fake news. I mean, they're, they're, they are using TikTok to, to do it, more or less. <laughs> that's, that's China's way of taking over the world. I heard a funny... A funny thing, somebody was like, maybe the reason they trying to create a TikTok was to like dumb down the entire like yeah. know, population, <laughs> yeah, and like completely ruin the children's atten Idiocracy. attention span, so that yeah, so yeah. that they can be controlled easier, making them a part of the idiocracy. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that, that wouldn't fucking surprise me because it's it is pretty stupid. But uh, yeah, uh, the White House, House uh, back Senate bill to boost the United States' ability to ban TikTok. I'm not sure that's a smart thing, but... The White House's back legislation introduced last Tuesday by a sen dozen senators to give the administration new powers to ban Chinese-owned video app TikTok and other foreign-based technologies. The endorsement boosts efforts by a number of lawmakers to ban the popular app which is owned by Chinese company ByteDance. It is used by over 100 million Americans. The bill would give yeah. the Commerce Department the ability to impose restrictions up to and including banning TikTok and other technologies that pose national security risks, says Senator Mark Warner, uh, who chairs the Intelligence Committee. It would also apply to foreign technologies from China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, Venezuela, and Cuba. Hmm. Seems like we just talked hmm. about Cuba. Wonder why it's Cuba. Hmm. I like how all these are like, um, th like it feels like we're in like a weird new Cold War, obviously, because the Venezuela, Cuba, China, Russia are all what a lot of, especially Republicans, would represent as communist countries, right? I mean, North Korea right. and Iran are clearly the odd ones out here, but um, we've talked about how, why the U.S. wants to go after Iran. It's been, like, a long-standing thing that we want to get into war with Iran since the early 2000s, so... What? They don't have an oil? What? Well, not only that, we also, <laughs> like, back Israel, and they hate Iran, so... It's a combination of things. Yeah, a combination of oil and loving Israel for some reason. Ugh. Gosh, what a country. What 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 a world we're living in. What a tremendously fucked up world. This is interesting, though. TikTok chief executive is due to appear before Congress on March 23rd, so towards the end of the month. We'll probably cover this again, because I'm sure something interesting will probably come out of that. Um, yeah, he has to explain to the congressman how they use TikTok. 
I remember. <laughs> I remember when the user of face, uh, fa the the owner of Facebook was there, uh, Zuckerberg, and he he was like asked like uh, questions like a, a child would know. <laughs> it's like or, or even what questions that didn't make any sense because these are right. old ass like seventy year old men and women who don't understand computers or the internet because they didn't grow up with it they don't understand like the changing landscape of how the internet works they just don't have a concept mm -hmm. of what it means uh and so they give get given these questions by like probably like an assistant or somebody who does research for them and they don't actually know what the fuck they're even asking you know what i'm saying talking about tiktok uh i I don't oh, did we mention why, why hmm? TikTok? I don't think we even mentioned why TikTok, they want to ban it, did we? No. Right, I think that's probably important to put in here. But the, it has come under increased fire over fears that user data could end up in the hands of the Chinese government, undermining right. Western security interests. Um, TikTok has been criticized has criticized the measure saying that this, in a statement that any U.S. ban on TikTok is a ban on the export of American culture and values to the billion-plus people who use our service worldwide. Right, because you're, you're now blocking tick, uh, U.S. TikTok creators also. Right, yeah. Charlie D'Amelio is going to take a huge hit, and I'm sure she's <laughs> going to be hurting. She devastated. Right. But yeah, no, I, I I talked to I talked to someone about this. I, I maybe it was Bill. I don't re really remember. Okay. But uh, uh, I was talking about TikTok, and and uh, and the next thing we're going to talk about actually, uh, because there's so many TikTok users that are using TikTok to promote their OnlyFans. Well, yeah, so you can say that about any. I mean, same thing oh, yeah. for Twitter, or I'm sure any anywhere else. Uh, that's a social media site that you can promote your business because it's like what they get paid to do. Why wouldn't you promote it everywhere you can? But it's uh, it's a lot of like like uh, pretty girls on TikTok like trying to like oh if you want to see me and my spicy content you should go. I mean, to Twitch is even, side. I would say, yeah. worse than TikTok for that. Because you have... Do you think so? Not that it... I, uh, worse is a bad word, because I don't I don't think it's bad. I think it's fine that women oh, are yeah. able to make money doing this or whatever. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's more uh, predatory, maybe, in the sense that, like, they're trying harder to, like, push you to get to their... to pay them. And not predatory in like sure. the sexual way. Predatory in the cap yes capitalistic yes. In the way. Capitalist way. Right. Yes. Exactly. That was hard. I had to do a whole lot of like running around in my brain there to make that okay to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, OnlyFans uh, warning to nurses and midwives prompt sex shaming accusations. This is coming out of Australia. An email sent by a nursing and midwife midwifery council advised advising health practitioners against setting up profiles on OnlyFans is quote unquote unreasonable and amounts to sex shaming. Uh, public policy experts have warned. Uh, in an email sent to practitioners on Wednesday, the Nursing and Midwifery Council of New South Wales cautioned the OnlyFans profiles could be a distraction for patients and bring the profession into dis disrepute if health practitioners was recognized and reported for their conduct. 
The Healthcare Complaints Commission told the Sydney Morning Herald it had received complaints related to health practitioner, practitioners' use of OnlyFans. Uh, the council said in an email it might consider whether social media use of practitioners' private lives raised concern about fitness to hold registration or even where there is no identifiable link to their certain profession. Uh, according to Fair Work Commissions, it unfair dismissal bench book, an employer has the right to supervise the private activities of an employee in exceptional circumstances, but it is not sufficient for the employer to simply assert that the conduct will in some way affect the employer's reputation. So, um, mm. I guess the question is, is this exceptional circumstance, uh, It does it jump to the the level of like being legally able to fire somebody for it, which I don't think it should be able to, but um, I bet there's a lot of Karens that would disagree with me, I suppose. <laughs> Our fundamental Christians. I think that some of this is like somebody's got their dad in like has a nurse, like home nurse or something, and then you see that person on OnlyFans and you're like, they're alone with my uh, family member all the time at the house. What is this? Per is mm -hmm. And then uh, that this Karen mentality of like, oh, I get this mental image of like the nurse doing like a strip tease or something like that. You know what I mean? Like naughty, ner night, naughty nice night nurses or something like that. And it's obviously completely ri ridiculous. I guarantee you any of these women who do OnlyFans and our nurses are probably just as good of a nurse as anybody else. Yeah. Maybe I should ask the people that comes in, in here and, um, and talks to me every day with medicine and things like that when they're female. Well, 98% of them are females. So I will ask them every time I see someone new, hey, do you have an OnlyFans, by the way? I feel like you may get in trouble <laughs> for asking that. I don't think maybe, that's a good move. Maybe in trouble. <laughs> to do that? No. Right. <laughs> the other thing is, like, like not all women on OnlyFans yeah. do it, but most women use, you know, a pseudonym. They don't use their real name, obvious, for obvious reasons. Right, right. right. Um, and so for the employer to find for it... everybody that... Yeah, sorry. And for everybody that doesn't get my humor, I was kidding. <laughs> for every, for the employer or somebody else who like knows this nurse to find it, they either have to stumble on on, on accident, you know what I mean? If it's or mm -hmm. um or have some kind of tip off that it's there because they're not they're not going to be just looking up their name on OnlyFans and find them. So there's got to be some other, like, really investigation that happens for you to even find out that this person is on OnlyFans, unless they just True. outright tell you. So I feel like if an employer does find your OnlyFans, it's either an accident or they're trying to fire you, and then I see that as, like, they're just being <laughs> a bad employer, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Or, or maybe they, they are just horny. Could be that. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I can see that in the nursing scenario if, like, um, a, an old guy starts, like, 
um, harassing the nurse because they're they're on OnlyFans. But then it's not yeah. a problem for the it's a problem for the employee then, not for the you know the company or something. Yeah, I agree. Hey, we talked about our favorite person running for president last week, Marianne Williamson. Uh, did the White House respond to this? In a press, well, in the press briefing room, uh, the well, I can't ever remember this lady, the new press secretary's name. I think it's because it's a very me neither interesting name. But um, yeah, she responded. Somebody asked if Biden had a problem with Marianne Williamson running against him, and uh, she responded to the question. So. Go and give me a count. Okay. In three, two, one, play. Is the president uh, annoyed, frustrated uh, with Marion Williamson for jumping in the race ahead of him? Did he want a clear field to run uh, against the Republican nominee in 2024? Just not tracking that. I mean, if I had a, a uh, what is it called, a little a little globe here, wrist the, wrist the wall, that I can tell you, but I, I imagine eight ball, whatever, if I can feel her aura, I, I just, I just don't have anything, I just don't have anything to share on that. That's kind of funny. I'm, oh, gosh, you guys are making me laugh now. Okay, we can pause there. So yeah, that was their response. She's like, I can't feel That's her aura, terrible. so I didn't. I, I think it's a little backhanded and slightly unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it is funny. I think it's just it a is. lot of people are going like, you're like supposed to be a professional and you're sitting here like making jokes about uh, presidential candidates in like a, it's a tongue in cheek way. But at the same time, it is, she is like calling out her religion. I'm not going to say we don't do that though. So, you know, no, no. <laughs> No, I don't mind making fun of her religion at all. Uh, Marianne Williams did respond to this. What I saw, she said, um, I've never used a crystal ball. I don't ever use crystal ball. Like, it's not part of my religion. So you're... (laughs) Right. Okay. So I think that's Mm -hmm. even maybe worse, is like making fun of like somebody's religion and being factual about it. But then like... Mm -hmm. Conflate it, conflating it with uh, some complete other religion, that is a little bit offensive when I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you know what kind of war I want? Uh, no. I, I, no, no war. The, the non-type of war. The non-type of war? Mm-hmm. That would be nice, yeah. Or a war on the word war. Okay. A war yeah. on the word war. We need a new well, word that's... for war. Okay. Well, well, Trun is kind of going to tell the truth about that when he talks about made-up culture wars. Hello, this is Trun, but Trun tells the truth. It's one word in the dictionary I'm tired of, and it's the word war. It's a war against Christmas. It's a war against religion. It's a war against family. It's a war against this. It's a war against that. Blah, 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 blah. But when conservatives fighting something, then it's fight for freedom, fighting for this, fighting for that. But everyone else is doing a war, and they're doing the war against them. I'm fighting for my rights to say what the fuck I want, live with the woman I want, have the sex life I want, see what I want, listen to what I want, and have a decent fucking welfare state. 
but fighting for that is suddenly war. I am not fighting for my interest in the democratic system, I am doing a war. Yes, like I'm, like I'm storming the Congress with guns. Oh no, no, that was, <laughs> that was not me, that was conservative fuck-up heads by Donald Trump. Why are we using the word war so much? Wanda Sykes says one thing about the word war. Now, she didn't, didn't really say use the word war, but she talked about homosexual marriages. It's a choice. If you don't want to live with somebody own sex, you don't have to do that. It's a choice. But it's not a choice for conservatives. For them, it's a war. A war against some imaginary bullshit. Because it doesn't really affect them. Most things that I want in my life don't really affect their life, right to choose anything. If they want to stay, well, Christian and live by the word of whatever fucked up, made up Middle Eastern God, they can do so. They can pray seven days a week. They can give all their money to fucking fraud like Joel Austin or one evangelical fuckhead. They can. They don't have to, but they can. And I'm taking away their rights to do so. I just say how hypocrite those assholes really are. But they are allowed, and I should not be allowed. When they talk about freedom of expression, they really just mean their expression. Because my freedom of expression is just war. If people want to celebrate Christmas, they can do so. If I want to call Christmas something differently, as I usually do, since I use the word Yule, which is a Nordic word for it. I'm doing a war. Well, last time I checked, I have the freedom to choose what the fuck I want to do that day, how I want to celebrate that day, and what God I want to bend my knees to that day. I don't have to do what you do. Because I don't do what you do, it doesn't mean that I want to war against you. I don't give a fuck what you do. And you should not give a fuck what I do. It's not about right or wrong anymore. It's somebody who wants to control other people and calling it freedom. Fascism has not been the same word as freedom. I am the definition of freedom. If you're not living by my rules, you, I am not free and you are not really free either because your brain... How stupid this is. Why not be do a war on stupidity. There's a lot of people you could kill then, maybe half of the country, we cannot do that. But what I don't get is, why this war? If you really, conservatives really want freedom of choice, why are you bugging me all the time? Here in Bergen, who have been fucking up for everybody else? Yes, it's the conservatives. Who want to take away gay rights and so on? Conservatives. Who want to ban things stop things, censor things, conservative. They call it family values, freedom for the family, freedom for this, freedom for that. No, it's bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. They're not getting over anything. They're still living in the so-called conflict from the 60s. And that was a cultural war. We maybe should have a new cultural war. And then we're going to fucking burn you all nail you to the cross upside down this was Tron with Tron tells the truth have a fucking nice day that was uh, Tron talking about war huh what is it good for absolutely nothing thank you Tron
Okay, Tron TV. I saw some TV this week. Uh, yeah. True Lies was the first thing that came out because it came out on Wednesday last week. Can I just tell you how incredibly stupid I thought that show was? I really loved the first the movie. True Lies. I the, loved the movie. Yeah, it was so um, fun, and Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Curtis was so good in that. Uh, yeah. And the story was so simple that it didn't seem like you needed to change anything. And yeah. the first thing was the at least the big change to me was that they didn't kind of base it in the U.S. They went instantly to Paris, right? Right. Yeah. And that kind of broke the original concept to me in the sense that they're automatically in like this foreign, interesting place. Where the interesting part about True Lies is that she still thinks because she's in the U.S. and still... She's... For a much longer in the movie, she thinks that he's, like, a regular guy. Where in this... Right. Uh, I should say the She knows concept, right away, yeah. yeah uh, a guy is a su super secret spy agent, like, way beyond any kind of CIA agent or anything. Some kind of really deep, dark intelligence agency. Uh, and yeah. his wife doesn't know about it, obviously. His whole family doesn't know because they can't know. And in the course of the first episode, she finds out about it. I feel like we could have gone three episodes, four episodes, without her finding out about it. Right. There's a lot of, like, interesting content to have happen there, and they just went, skipped right through it, and had her just... Now yeah. she's a spy, all of a sudden, who... Bef yeah. Which was really weird, like, in the restaurant scene when she first... Before she finds out, but they have a restaurant scene where a killer comes to kill him, but he's at... Mm -hmm. dinner with her in Paris and he has to fight this guy off and she instantly just knows like I don't know kung fu of some type but she says it's because of her mm -hmm. Pilates like because she did yoga she all, all of a sudden knows how to manhandle a trained uh, <laughs> assassin. assassin yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah it made super much sense didn't it I mean you gotta run with it but uh, it's not great I don't know what do you think I really, really despise this. It's 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 not my least favorite thing this week, but it's fucking close. Uh, really didn't like this. Um, yeah, I have absolutely nothing positive to say about it. Just didn't like it at all. Um, the acting was bad. Everything was bad in it. I mean... Do you know this this lady, Beverly D'Angelo? I've seen her somewhere. Uh is that her name? I don't know. I let me I look her so. up. Yeah. Uh I think I think she's from Entourage. I've definitely seen where... the guy the main character in, you know, multiple things. Um Right. Mostly action movie stuff. So and her I've seen in something and it probably was something we've seen recently, but I just have to look it up. But yeah, no, uh, I I didn't like this. Uh, I will give it a three. What did I give it? I gave it a four. So we're kind of close. Yeah. It's pretty standard, like, American crappy uh, network TV action show. It feels like, you know... Uh, Jack Reacher type show or something like that, yeah. 
Well, let's talk about the thing I was most disappointed of uh, this week. Uh, the History of the World Part 2. Um, so, how do I begin this? Uh, I really, really, really love the original History of the World. Uh, the Mel Brooks movie. Uh, and it's kind of like... It it's trying very hard to be that kind of like sketch comedy show instead of a movie, but it feels like it misses the point in every fucking episode. I did not last laugh once during the two episodes, and it's just like I saw because I'm two episodes and I'm out. I just didn't. It didn't tickle my funny bones, and it should have done that, because, uh, like, Mel Brooks is behind this, and and uh, it just felt outdated, outdone, uh, and just, yeah, terrible. I, I, I didn't like anything in it, and it's just like, it has good acting. Actors like Wanda Sykes and Nick Kroll and things like that. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't like it. I felt like it was kind of banking too hard on the fact that it had all these big names. Because there's all these cameo, mm. like little cameos from really big actors. Because, oh, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's similar to the movie in the sense that the movie was a bunch of segments about different time periods. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe going into the TV show, each episode would be a different time period, which I think maybe could have made this a little more solid of a show. This is, mm -hmm. But they do do an interesting job of... I thought it was when they left the first segment uh, that they wouldn't come back to it, but they do. They come back to right. different segments in, that, in the first episode and in the second episode. They do kind of... Um, continue the storyline to a degree, but it felt like each one should have some type of punchline, and that it kind of was missing yeah. that. Uh, yeah. But it it's still interesting in the sense that I went, oh, oh, it's that actor. I like them. They're funny, but none of the jokes really landed all that hard for me, like you said. No. Uh, the yeah. funniest part was probably at the very, very beginning when... It's they CGI'd him with huge muscles. That was probably like the that funniest. Was, that was the most funny thing, yeah. Um, a lot of it is very history, uh, history Center. professor based uh, comedy. So if you don't like, right. if you haven't read a book about the uh, pre USSR Russia, yeah. you're gonna have a hard time right. getting some of the jokes. Yeah, so. Right. Uh, I still enjoyed it. I, I'm probably going to watch more of it, so I'd give it a a 5.5. Okay. Uh, I give this... Oh, I, I will give it a 3. I'll be nice. I mean, going back and watching the first one might be a good thing, because I've seen it recently, and it has hit and miss... miss parts in it, you know, that are funny, and oh, yeah. then there's other parts that are just really not all that funny. Um, sure. And it, it's because of the different segments, so I feel like 
this is one of those shows where it's going to have episodes that really slap and then other ones that are just garbage. And maybe mm. maybe it's one you would have to watch more of it, but I don't know. So I'm going to see what happens with it, I guess. Okay. Uh, oh, it's turn. my turn. Um, Karate Sheep on Netflix. It's a kid show, an animated kid show about a sheep that knows karate. She's got a uh, I don't even know what they... It's a bro, like maybe a brother. They, it, there's no talking in this. There's no speaking. It's all them buying okay. at each other because they're sheep. Because they don't talk. Because okay. they're sheep. Um, That's kind of funny. So the whole time it's just like facial gestures and like pointing and things like that to like indicate what's happening in the story. There's a big... There's a wolf. Who is you know, this for? Uh, young children, I would say... Okay. Ten year, ten years old and below, probably. Uh, the animation's okay. really cheap. There's like a wolf, obviously, because they're sheep, and the karate sheep has to mm. keep the baby sheep from getting eaten by the wolf. Um, that's kind of the basis of a lot of it. <coughs> uh, it's pretty boring and kind of crappy. I'd give it a. Jeez, I guess a three. Okay. I don't know. It's not made for me, but it's the animation's just cheap, and the whole thing's just kind of cheap. That's funny because they are sheep. Ha <laughs> ha. Sheep. Sheep. Yeah. Yes. And then yes. we're gonna talk about a game show, and what's the game show called? Uh, cheat. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I. I. Thought this was kind of funny. Uh, other than that, I didn't really understand the game before I saw the whole episode one. Yeah, that's um, right. You you really have to see the full episode to like get right. the concept. Um, yes, and I don't know. Could it? Were, they could have explained it better, but it would have been like this they huge, long, like five right. minute. They would have had to taken way too long to explain the whole thing. So I think maybe. Just explaining it as you go was maybe better, but it's really awkward. Right, and it's British, uh, so that's fun. Uh, uh, Danny Diver is very very fun. I like his wife. Um, yeah, he's, he's the host together. and she's the quiz master. I guess you would call it. Yeah, the whole point of it is the there's three contestants. They have the ability to cheat. But they don't have to cheat, right? Right. When answering, when answering trivia questions. Uh, right. And then at the end of each round, or I guess during the round, you have to guess whether your opponents cheated or not. And then at the end of yep. the round, you find out who who caught the cheaters and who didn't catch the cheaters, and whoever catches the most cheaters moves on to like the next round. Basically, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, which. But I yeah, just explained it, it so how the fuck could they not have explained it in the first episode? <laughs> but I liked it. It, it. it was a fun thing. I, but uh, the concept gets uh, very tired f very fast. So when you have seen two episodes, the, the gist of it is kind of gone already. The novelty wears off, yeah. Um, yes, the novelty... The, the novelty... It's not like uh, Jeopardy or anything like that. So it's... it's it, The concept is fun for a little while. And there's not really anything in the inherent concept of the game that can all of a sudden change 
uh, no. and make it more interesting in a different way. It's like kind of set in right. stone how the game's played, and there's no really a way to like go out of it. The only thing that can be exciting, or more exciting or less exciting, is if uh, somebody catches a cheater or doesn't catch a cheater. Because imagine right. an episode where everybody just gives the, all the correct answers. Right. They just everybody. They all know every answer. It would that would be the most boring thing ever, right? Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I will give this a four. Uh, I gave it a three. So. Cool. Yeah, I think turn, I the real problem with cheat is, like I said, the. Uh, yeah, the novelty wears, wears off very yeah. fast. Yeah. The last thing I saw was the Chris Rock. Netflix special that came out this week. Um, mm-hmm. Stand-up special, hour-long, pretty standard for a Netflix stand-up special. The most Called interesting thing... Outrage. Right. The most interesting coming out of it is the last maybe 10 minutes, something like that, where he talks about the Will Smith slap, and he really went into detail about it, uh, about more about how he felt about it, and then some of the interesting stuff behind like how people... Uh, including them were saying, oh, well, he said these things beforehand, and it was like this thing that built up, and he was like, I didn't feel that way. It must have been all in their heads kind of thing. Right. Um, but, you know, he, it was all with jokes. Some of the beginning stuff I, I thought was really tired, old uh, bits, stand-up bits that I've heard from other comedians a bunch of times already. Um, I don't know. What do you think of it? Yeah, I I felt some of it was very trite, um, but it, I I had fun with it. it. It was just like I didn't like <laughs> office jokes. Other, I I think the last half was the best, definitely. Uh, I think his uh, jokes about the royal family was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, his yeah, and his Chris uh, Chris Rock is a good stand-up comedian uh he did he had one very glaring mistake that was kind of funny um yeah other than that i was i wasn't super impressed i would give give this a four okay uh let's see i i'd probably go a 3.5 it seems like the beginning half was very dated ideas of like Jokes that he would have done 20 years ago, you know what I mean? Like, uh, right. white people be like kind of jokes and things mm-hmm. like that. And then the whole, I don't know, 20 minutes about his kids and stuff. It's like, those kind of, those kid the jokes about being a dad, I've heard a hundred times from a thousand right. comedians. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, 3.5. Well, the last thing I saw this week was Jared from Subway... Catching a monster. Uh, this is three episodes long, from uh, uh, Discovery. Okay. Uh, so of course I've heard about Jared from Subway. I I mean who hasn't? Uh, it was super interesting because it goes. <clears throat> sorry, it goes into how they caught him. Uh, I didn't know any of that story at all. How this one woman uh, uh, delivered him more or less to the FBI. It was a super interesting story. 
uh, and super creepy, super interesting. I really recommend you watch this. I gave it a 5.5. Uh, it is a little too... Uh, yeah, it's very Discovery uh, documentary, so it's not very good. A lot of stock footage way. and things like that. Yes, yeah. yes. But uh, it was so interesting that I, I gave it a 5.5. I think I probably knew a little more about the story. Like, this woman, she really had to try to get people to listen to her. I, that's what I yeah. remember from it mostly. Yep. It's like, people didn't want to hear it because he was, you know, a celebrity and everything else. Yep. Um, it was super interesting. Yeah. I guess a lot... The last thing we both saw, but we didn't watch together. Are we there? Yeah. Again. That yeah. 90s show, episode 7. Uh, be, well, I guess because we watched AEW, we could talk a little about that. The AEW Revolution pay-per-view. And so Fro was passed out when we were going to watch that 90 show the next day. Because he sta- it was five hours long. That was a crazy yeah. long pay-per-view. But it, it was yeah. really good. Hour-long um, Iron, Iron Man, Man match, which, yeah, I don't know. The, it, you know, any kind of match like that is going to kind of be slow at the beginning. But the last half of it was yeah. really amazing. Uh, the Texas death match was maybe the best match on the card. Yeah, definitely. But it's got the most like really g- gimmicks and everything else. Also, yeah. so. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, no, it was was a really good pay per view. So like, yeah, so Fro was up super late, early. I guess yeah. early in the morning, not even late at night. Early in the morning, you were up till, and uh, yeah, we watched that nineties up nineties show episode seven. I watched it yesterday. It's called. Uh, Episode 7, Boyfriend Day 1. Trying to prove to Red he can be responsible, Jay agrees to run an errand that doesn't quite go as planned. Nikki's tutor makes Nate jealous. Right, uh, Jay is the boyfriend now of the main character. He's also a Kelso, right? Is he the Kelso? Yeah. Um, Yep. He goes to pick up uh, her grandmother, who is, you know, the parent... Uh, figure in this show <coughs> uh, from the dentist, right? Or some kind of surgery because she's all loopy. Uh, yeah, it was the dentist. And the grandma, they go into a tattoo shop and she gets a tattoo? Right. <laughs> and obviously she doesn't yeah. find out till the next day when uh, she, she wakes up because she's out of it. I don't know if this would really happen. I, I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe. Yeah, I I like this episode. Uh, not as much as I liked last week, but you didn't like last week, so I thought this week that. was fine. The other episode yeah. or the other storyline in this episode is there's the two the couple that's been a couple the whole thing that are basically supposed to be the Jackie right. and uh, Kelso, but there's also Kels a Kelso. It's very confusing in that way. Yes, but uh, they're very much a side character character bit they never really have a main storyline but this one was just she has a tutor and he's like the hot guy who knows who's really smart also and so the boyfriend gets Mm. jealous that's basically the whole thing it was kind of sweet i guess uh, yeah and at the end they go into the whole thing of oh are you gonna leave me when you go to college because you're smarter than me and i'm uh, you know just a kind of a dumb jock kind of thing, which, you know, that's classic American sitcom, for sure. Very. very. I'd give this episode probably a 
I give it a six. All right, cool. Some TV news. Uh, actor Ben Savage uh, is running for Congress. Uh, where was he known from, you said? Boy the Meets Boys World. Meets Most yeah, famous Meets. from Boy Meets World. The, the young... The, the boy that met the world is... Uh, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. He says, I'm running for Congress because it's time to restore faith in government by re- offering reasonable, innova- innovative, and compassionate solution to our country's most pressed issues. He's running for California's 30th con- congressional district. He described himself as a proud Californian union member and longtime resident of the district who comes from a family of unwavering service to country and community. Uh, is he running as a... Democrat or a Republican? I don't see that here. Anymore. Yeah, I can't see that either. I was also looking for that. Uh, he seemingly has a long interest in politics, having studied at Stanford University, where he graduated in 2000. He intended for... Oh, he interned for Pennsylvania Senator Arlene Specter, then a Republican in 2003. So that's like the closest thing we have mm. to... Hmm. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a Republican. That's all I'm going to say. Well, when it says fate, I uh, get a little like ding, ding, ding. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't say specifically anything about Christian, but he does say unwavering service to country and community, which also sounds very mm-hmm. Republican-y. Hey, did you ever watch the, the show New Girl? I probably saw an episode, but I no, I didn't really watch it. It had a uh, okay. what's her name in it? The, uh, Elf, the girl Sh- from Elf. Yeah, Zoe yeah, Deschanel. Yeah, yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, I started watching that this week. Uh, I find it fucking hilarious. I mean, it's I funny. Really, really, really like it. It's just yeah. not my cup of tea, like at all. But you like comedy, don't you? Like sitcoms? Yeah, but that kind of, like, uh, workplace, like, I don't know. It, it's kind of reminds me of a Sex and the City kind of drama comedy, you know what I mean? Mm. So I, I can understand that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah no, I was thinking of it because uh, it, it, just, it, it just came uh, uh, on my radar this, this week because I, I wanted to have a new show that I have never seen before, and it's like uh, five seasons of it, so... Only five seasons? I figured there'd be more than that, actually, because it it feels like it was on forever. Oh, yeah. Really, really fun. Uh, Anyway. uh, Go back watch uh, Hmm? Paris on the Farm. There was probably one season of that. (laughs) I think I've seen it. I I definitely saw it when it was on. I think I saw it. Was that when she was with her boy, girl, girlfriend? Uh, Nicole Richie, yeah. Nini Nicole Richie, yeah, then I saw it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Paris Hilton describes being ad- abducted uh, from her bed, forced snuggling, and parents drugged with booty uh, juice. At abuse rental treatment center where she spent thirteen years. Uh, Paris Hilton recalls thinking when, as a teenager, being jolted awake by a pair of men who would take her from her home in handcuffs. 
Uh, in a new essay in Times of London, the hotel heiress recalled a detailed being taken from her bed in the middle of the night and transported to one of a series of residential treatment centers where they, where she lived as a teen, where she says she faced physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. Um, Hilton, who has in recent years become an advocate to end abusive therapeutic boarding schools for teens, says she was taken to a school run by the CDU, transferred to a wilderness program, and eventually sent to Provo County School in Utah. Uh, this is the same place where other celebrities have attended. Um, Hilton wrote that the CDU staff uh, subjected her to invasive cavity searches and hours of screaming mm -hmm. abuse by staff and other patients, as well as forced cuddling with piece of people who abused her in a giant snuggle puddle called smushing where she was told it was part of the program yeah that's Ugh. i th i mean th this isn't the first she's talked about this a lot this isn't the first time but she just um put out a whole essay about it that's probably worth checking yeah. out uh she and she's not the only celebrity to talk about it either the dr phil girl um catch me outside uh, what's her name? Bad Baby. She right. she's got a whole thing about this, like because of all the things that Doctor Phil did, uh, sending people to the ranch and things like that. So, uh, this hmm. is an ongoing thing that should be looked into more, but nobody's really talking about it, which is weird because hmm. it's Paris Hilton. You think everybody would kind of recognize? Oh, this is like this is something big if she's coming out. She because she has like a lot to lose. Uh, do you want to talk a little about our uh, sponsor, Luke? I have done it for two weeks in a row, so okay, I want to talk about it. AudibleTrial.com forward slash ADC. That's AudibleTrial.com forward slash ADC. If you want a free Audible trial and a free book, go there. Try it out. It's worth it. Uh, cancel any time. Keep the free book. Uh, I guess cancel before 30 days. Keep the free book. And don't get charged anything. Eurovision. Let's start with the most Eurovision country in the world, Australia, because that's definitely in Europe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. It was part uh, of the Commonwealth at some point, but I don't... <laughs> it, it was. I think maybe it is still. Together. It might be. It still has the Union Jack, yeah. right? On the flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe. Uh, Voyager with Promise. This was a what whole lot of different about... songs in one, wasn't it? <laughs> it is so many songs. It was like it started out know. like feeling kind of Kenny G like. I thought he was going to bust yeah. out a flute at some point, and then it was yeah. like a, a hard rock song, and then a heavy metal song, uh, yeah. and then kind of poppy also, right? Yeah. Oh, and then they had a I... guitar solo. I mean, that's the best part of this whole song. Does, that's why it should win. At, what other song has a guitar solo uh, this year in Eurovision? <laughs> so that automatically gets it points from me. <laughs> I d don't like this, to be a hundred and ten percent honest. I I think I think it's him. I think it's him just like sitting there singing into the camera. That kind of in the beginning that got me out of it, and he's like. Have you done anything like this before? And I was like, have I done what? <laughs> I was a little bit like, what the fuck is going on in this song? 
I will say that I will say that later about another song, but uh, this 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 wasn't done with any humor or intent of being funny, but I found it hilarious. Uh, I that's just it. I, the main the main singer looks like a British comedy actor that I can't put my finger on exactly, but I know he's done like some uh, mockumentary stuff. Why can't I not remember his name? Hm. I don't know, but uh, he looks like a comedy actor that you've seen before. So maybe because mm -hmm. I did this subconsciously, I was watching it going. Is this going to be a comedy song? Because that's not a abnormal for Eurovision for it to be a comedy song. No, no, no. And so, no, no, no. And I was like, why do I feel like this should be a comedy, but it's not? And I realized that this guy looks like a comedy actor that's a very famous comedy actor, and that's where I'm getting like the weird vibes from. Like it should be mocking itself, but and then maybe the guitar uh, solo. Yeah. But I kind of like the eclectic nature of it. That's the best mm. word I could use to describe the song is eclectic because it's all over the place. Uh, it was fine. I'd probably give it a 5.5. I will give it a 4. I have absolutely no problem seeing this in the final, though. I think it'll go to the final. I don't think it's going to do well, but I think it'll go no. to the final. Yeah. Uh, especially because televotes, it's only televotes in the semis, so I think it will do good. Uh, well, let's talk about one of the countries that is already in the final, because it's uh, Le France with uh, uh, La Serra with Evidement. This I like. This is one of my favorite songs of this year. No joke. It's very good. Uh, very it's well put really together. Good. The stage performance is pretty basic because it's just her standing there and occasionally she does the same repetitive dance move, mostly right. because she's wearing a dress that you literally can't move in, probably, Right. so she can only do so many movements, otherwise it looks like she's about to fall over, uh, so the song was very good. The it, One interesting thing, it's all in French, but they did have the English translation, at least in the video you mm -hmm. sent me, so... Um, yep. We do have an idea of what the lyrics are about. It's not, it's not a amazingly intricate love song. It's pretty no. basic lyrically, but the the tune's good, and I really like the chorus and the breakdown. So, uh, that is so good. What was that part have... where she's like, "I'm doing it for France," though? That was a little weird. It yeah. kind of came out of nowhere because it's about a it's like a love song about a um, meeting with somebody. And then she's like, and we're going to do this for France. I guess, I don't know, it's just because it's a Eurovision song, I guess. But, yeah, no, the pop uh, beat, everything I love about this. This is one of my favorite songs of this year. I just love this. I will say that about something else that we were talking about. But I really, 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 really love this. It's It's... She's very cool, she's very chic, she's very Eurovision. This will do tremendously good. Mm -hmm. I think I think top five. I can see that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of Lady Gaga-esque also. Yeah. Yeah. What was not Lady Gaga was Finland with Karlia with Cha Cha Cha. 
I showed you this uh, after we were done with last week's podcast to get your immediate feelings about it. What do you think now, week after you've seen it? I mean, it's it's interesting. I think this is um, really dependent on the stage performance. Like, it's stage performance heavy because that's the coolest part is the costumes. Yep. And, like, he's got, like, these leashed up dancers that he's controlling. And a lot of, like... Uh, props and things like that is is what's happening. The song's good. It's a little... Uh, it goes from one thing to another, very similar to the Australian song. It's like one... Mm-hmm. It's like a poppy kind of thing, and then it goes into more of a hard, hard rock, heavy metal type thing. Well, it, start, it starts out harder, hard rock, here. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and ends with kind of like the soft botch. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think... The song itself doesn't have a lot of, like, um... It doesn't have a part where, like, everybody's gonna jump out of their seat or anything like that. But the song's fine. I wouldn't listen to it in my car or anything like that. But the where when the audience goes, like, cha 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 that is... You can hear the audience in, in this final mm-hmm. performance, like, going. And I, I can think to myself that this will be extremely popular in the televotes, but juries will fucking hate this. Uh, I I have no doubt in my mind that this will come to the final. I don't think it will do good in the final, though, because here it's, it's kind of a joke thing. It's done with uh, kind of a glimmer of, like, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 not a serious in entrance to say it that way. I don't think so. Unless, well, maybe no. it could be. I guess, but no, it no, doesn't no. seem like it's being taken. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. everything's so over the top and we- weird looking, and the haircut is obviously <laughs> like mm, you. It's he's got the the same kind of like weird 90s haircut uh that you see people do ironically you know what i mean so yeah right mm-hmm. but yeah no i will give this an 8.5 i really love this uh i don't know this is probably like a seven kind of song okay yep okay look tell me all the movies you've seen and uh, we will give it scores yeah well we're not gonna do deep discussion into each movie because we're about to do Oscars Razzies and most of these movies that we watched were nominated for one or the other, right? I mean Yep. That's what I was doing this week when I was watching movies is watching ones that Me were too. Yeah, that I hadn't seen yet. So Marcel Deschel, this is nominated for Best Animated, right? Mm-hmm. Uh this had uh, a bunch of good people based on uh internet thing, I'd give it an eight point five. I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, I would give it an 8. Elvis, I saw this week. I know you saw that a while ago, but it's yes. not great. It's uh, no. It's told in a different way than others, but not amazing. I'd give it a... I'd give it a... Let's see, 6. Yeah, I would probably give it a 4.5. Okay. Banshees of Inner Shirin. Uh... Dark comedy, pretty fun, but a lot of people found it boring because it's a really drawn out and very obscure dark humor, right? Mm-hmm. 
But I found it funny, and the acting is amazing, and it's very beautiful, so I'd give it a... I'm going to give this a 8. I really loved it, yeah. I gave it a 9 back then. All Quiet on the Western Front, I know we both saw this week. This is yep up for Best Picture. Actually, Elvis, Banshees, and All Quiet are up for Best Picture, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, All Quiet was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I've been avoiding watching it. I know Fro's been avoiding Me watching too. it. Me too. Yes. Because it's a, I'm like, oh, it's a war movie oh, and it, it's really long. Those were the two reasons, mostly. Yeah, but it was surprisingly <laughs> good. And it didn't feel long. I did still watch it in two parts. No. I watched it one day, first half, another day, the second half. But it was. Fine, um, very anti-war, which I liked about it. Some mm -hmm. very good acting, very good special effects. I give it a, jeez, I guess I give it a nine. I would give it an eight point five, so not far away. Tar, I saw. Mm -hmm. I know you see this. Saw this a few <laughs> weeks ago. I was bored to death, like the whole movie. I'm gonna be honest. I, I told you. I I told you. I watched the first half one day, yeah. and then I watched the second half two days later, and I did a lot of 10-second skips in the, watching the second half of it. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> the first 20, minute, 20 minutes is just a lecture in a college lecture hall where it's just too... Yes. Like, if you like watching uh, a lecture in a lecture hall, then you'll love this movie, I guess. I don't I like watching lectures movie. in lecture halls. So. <laughs> I love this movie. I gave it a nine back then. What was that show uh, inside the actor's studio? Was that the one where he like? Yes. Yes. The first twenty minutes of this is just inside the actor's studio. So if you like that show, mm. then sure, I guess. But I never liked that show either. So. Well, oh, I should give it a score. I gave it a three point five. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, it was shot well, and the acting was good, but it was very... Like, can you get a more pretentious, like, stick-up-my-ass movie than this? I don't think so. Uh, well, the fable months, if you ask me. I haven't seen it yet. It's still in the theaters here, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, you saw anything else this week? I saw Good Morning. Yeah, uh, I had seen that some weeks ago. Okay, I didn't remember you talking yeah. about it, but I'm not surprised. Uh, it's with MGK and Megan Fox and a bunch of random ass people. It's a, Pete Davidson. <laughs> kind of, he's in. A, he's got a cameo in it. It's bad. It's not actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. I did mm. smoke some weed before I watched it, so that probably helped. Yes. Uh, I saw woman talking. Did I talk about that last week? Mm. I don't think so. No? Uh, that's uh, nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I would give it a seven. Yeah, seven. Okay. And then I saw two Leslie because it was so fucking... Uh, it's been so... Uh, in, in, in the talks about uh, it being controversial... I haven't but, heard uh, anything Andrea, about it. Oh, Andrea Risenborough got... Oh, well, they got in trouble because 
uh, it actually has a, a, a section here of the of uh, about it. Andrea Rosenborough nomination for best Os Oscar for her uh, movie to uh, Leslie Gantrick Irie among critics and pundits. As a monument picture, the film's distributor did not find it controversial. Ad advertising drive uh, awards for a movie. So. I don't understand. Why is it controversial? You just. Uh, you said it was controversial, of, but you didn't say why. Yeah, it's a celeb backed campaign. What does that mean? Because it. Because celebrities were like, oh, we should nominate it. It's it's controversial. But why is it controversial? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. That, that that is controversial. That that they did it that way, instead of like having screenings and things like that. Oh, so nobody's seen it. Yeah. That's kind of because uh, uh, there's what like people say there is like a you have to have been in a theaters for a certain amount of time for something to be nominated for an Oscar. Right. So. I, I guess I'd have to do more research because I, I just still don't understand. And I saw ba, 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 a documentary, uh, "Fire of Love." Okay, is that nominated for anything? Yeah, best documentary. Okay, it's um, about uh, volcanists. Volcanists, like researchers. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Boring as fuck. Yeah, it sounds boring. Uh, Pro-Ukrainian yeah. group asks Oscars voters not to support Top Gun, Gun over alleged ties to Russian oligarch. A mm. non-government affiliate organization called Ukrainian World Congress has that represents various Ukrainian communities has asked the Motion Picture Academy to not support Top Gun Maverick. The information came... Oh, information came out a few months ago that... Uh, New Republic Pictures, which made a deal with Paramount during the pandemic to fund a big chunk of ten movies, including Maverick and Mission Impossible. Oh, the new Mission Impossible. Has allegedly been quietly controlled by a Russian oligarch named Dmitry Rybovalev. That information came out a few months ago. New Republic's new former president, who claims he was terminated without cause after... This guy pulled his money out of the company when Russia invaded Ukraine, and governments around the world starting imposing sanctions. Uh, that's not really relevant here, but what matters is that Rybolev has allegedly been a silent partner, uh, meaning Top Gun Maverick may have been partially funded by a Russian oligarch. So that's why they're not—not uh -huh. not that it's pro-war or any or anything like that—but th that um that it's being fund or was funded by a Russian oligarch. What do you think about that, that idea? Uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot of movies that uh, uh, is problematic uh, now that wasn't problematic back then. I think this is kind of in that vein. I, I don't, I didn't like it like the movie, so I don't know if I care. I, did, I had a... The biggest thing I had a problem with actually could be explained by this, though, because the UWC argues that since nobody knew this guy was apparently involved, it may have led to censorship, 
The organization even has an interesting argument for that. Unlike in the original film, Top Gun Maverick makes no direct or indirect reference to Russia. This is hardly a coincidence because Maverick, of course, notably does not name the enemy combatants at all, which we right. definitely mentioned when we originally saw it, or when I originally saw it, saw it I was mm -hmm. like, they never tell you who they're fighting. Like, there's no... So their ass assertion here is that the reason it doesn't say a combatant is maybe originally the script had Russia in it, and then this guy who was paying a lot of money for the film said, well, we, we can't have that in there. That's what they're suggesting. Right. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's interesting nonetheless. Okay, let's start with the 95th Academy Awards. What uh, award are we starting with? Uh, right, let's start with Best Doc. Best Documentary Feature, I mean. All the Breeze. Uh, all, the, all the Beauty and Bloodshed. Uh, for oh, fire of love, house made of splinters, and Navalian. Well, I have only seen two of the movies here. Um, I've seen none of these movies, so it's gonna be a fun pick for me. But I think I know what I, I'm gonna pick. So. I will go with fire of love. Okay, I'm gonna go Navalny. Mm hmm. Um, just because yeah, of current, uh, yeah, yeah. geopolitical, yeah. uh, things going on. Well, best animated feature is Gil Gil Gilmore del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel, uh, The Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Sea Beast, and Turning Reds. Seeing all of them, I think Marcel is the best one. Uh, I think Marcel's probably the best one. I've, the only one I haven't seen is... Uh, oh, I didn't see Puss in Boots or Turning Red. Um, but ah. Puss in Boots, isn't Puss in Boots still in the theater? Maybe not. I've heard really good things. People say Puss in Boots is love, really good. Love Puss in Boots. So good. I saw it with my dad. We loved it. I would like Marcel to win. Um, yeah, me too. But we all know it's Pinocchio. But I'm going to pick first, so I guess I'm going to go... <laughs> uh, I'll go Marcel if you're gonna really? go because I think you're gonna go Pinocchio, right? Oh, I'm going to go Pinocchio if you had picked that, anyways. Okay. Best adapted screenplay: All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, Knives Out, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and and Woman Talking. Okay. Uh, yeah. I will go women talking. Okay. Um, this one... Best adapted screenplay. Adapted. I guess I'm gonna go all quiet. All quiet. Uh, yeah. Best original screenplay. The Banshees of In Sharon. Everything, everywhere, all at once. The Fable Men's Tar and Triangle of Sadness. You go first. Yeah. Uh, for me right here, it's in between Triangle of Sadness and Everything Everywhere. Um, I'll go Everything Everywhere. I will go Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Then we have Best Supporting Actress. Angela Bassett for Black Panther... 
Hong Chao for the whale, Carrie Condon for Banshees, Jimmy Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere, Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere. Um, hmm, I would go with Carrie Corden for Banshees. Um, I think that, okay. I think that is kind of a long shot, but I'm going to go. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the everything. Uh, that's what I was trying everywhere. to decide between each, is yeah. the Jamie Lee Curtis or Stephanie Sue. I think probably, <sighs> I guess I'll go Stephanie Sue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we have Best Supporting Actor, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees, uh, Brian Terry Henry for Causeway, Jude Hirsch for The Fablements, Kerry Cogan for Banshees, and Kai Hai Kwan for Everything Everywhere. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering which character these guys were in Banshees. Uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson was the old man that got, uh, spoiler alert, his house uh, burned on. Oh, and then the other guy's the young kid. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, then I'll go Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, and I'm going with Kerrigan. Kogan. Okay, best actress. Uh, that's you? Sorry, I'm writing things down. Uh, ah. Best Actress, Kate Blanchett uh, for Tar. Anna De Armas for Blonde. Andrea Risenborough for Leslie. Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Well, I think it's Kate Blanchett. Uh, as do I. So, we don't disagree there. Because the Academy are a bunch of stuck-up douchebags. So, they're going to pick that. <laughs> Best actor. Austin but uh, Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell for Banshees. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Uh, Paul Mascal for After Sun. And Bill Nye for Living. Nye. Nye. Yeah, that's right. Um, ba -ba -ba. I'm going to go Colin Farrell, I guess. Hmm. Is it Brendan Fraser or Austin Butler? Is it Brendan Fraser or Austin Butler? I think it's between Brendan Fraser and Colin Farrell, personally. Uh, I'm going to go with Brendan Fraser. I figured that's where you were going anyways. Yeah. I think that's probably the best bet, honestly, right now, but best director. Markham, Martin McDonough. Donna for Banshee of Inner Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sherrant for Everything Everywhere, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Osterlund for Triangle of Sadness. It's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sherrant. I need them to win that. I'm just going to write Everything Everywhere. Yeah because I don't want to have to write both names down. Mm. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to go Steven Spielberg, I guess. Okay. 
Best Picture, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, or Woman Talking. I'm definitely going Everything Everywhere. Yeah, I am going with you. Okay. Do you think it's going to sweep more categories than yeah. we think here? Because I only yes. have it down like three or four times, I think, on here. Yeah, probably. So we might get uh, a few things wrong. I definitely have it winning more than you do. You have it winning mm -hmm. two, and I have it winning one, two, three. Uh, one, two, three. Yeah, so we'll see, I guess. Okay. Then we do the Golden Raspberries. For people that don't know what that is, it is for the worst movies. Right, uh, worst movies of last year's worst screenplay, Blonde, Good Morning, Jurassic Dominion, Morbius, and Pinocchio. This is a... Every one of these is a strong contender, I think. Except for maybe Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, Jurassic World Dominion was bad, but it wasn't like... As yeah. bad as the rest of these. <laughs> Um, screenplay. Um, uh, I'm going to go with good morning. You're going good morning. Okay, I was gonna. I was thinking that might be uh, a contender, but I think worst screenplay, like the ending and everything. I'm gonna go Morbius because mm. I think somehow Good Morning actually had a mo co more coherent story. And this is for screenplay. <laughs> then Morbius did. So <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Uh, worst remake, ripoff, or sequel? Blonde, three hundred sixty-five. This day and the next three hundred sixty-five days. Firestarter, Jurassic uh, World, Dominion, and Pinocchio. I'm gonna go Pinocchio. I think. Fuck! You picked mine. Um. I didn't think Firestarter was all that bad. I mean, it wasn't great, but... I'm going to do go with 365, since it's two of them. I didn't see either of those, e so, uh, uh, but I'm assuming Me they're bad. neither. And the interesting <laughs> thing here is Blonde is nominated in this, and it's also nominated for yeah. an Oscar, which is super interesting. <laughs> Excuse me, worst screen combo... Uh, both real-life characters, Marilyn Monroe, John F. Kennedy, and the Phallicious White, White House bedroom scene? Okay. Uh, Andrew Dominic and his issues with women on Blonde. Tom Hanks and his latex-laden face. Yeah, that was really bad. Machine Gun Kelly and Maud's son in Good Morning. Uh, and then the 365-day sequels. Just that those I'm two going, movies together is the worst screen pump yeah. combo. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tom Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Okay, I kind of want to go Machine Gun Kelly. Um, so I might as well just to make it interesting. Yeah. Yep. Well, worst supporting actress: Adrina Arjoni for Morbius, Fan Bing Bang for the Three Fifty Five and King's Daughter. Lorian Brocco for Pinocchio, Penelope Cruz for 355, 
and Mina Serena for Lamborghini, the man behind the legend. I'm going to go Fan Bingbing. I know that that was like, there was so much wrong that went wrong with that. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, I will go with Maria Sorvino. Did you ever see... I didn't even know that movie ever even came out. That's one of the reasons why I'm going for it. I probably would have gone with the Morbius one, but... Yeah. <laughs> We're supporting actor Pete Davidson for Good Morning, Tom Hanks for Elvis, Mod Son for Good Morning, Xavier Samuels for Blonde, Evan Williams for Blonde. Well, I'm going to go with Tom Hanks again. That was what I was going to pick. Okay, so should I go with that? Or I could do Pete Davidson, which is like a pretty good one also, right? Because that was a really bad role. See, the whole time he was like, my name's Barry, see? I'm definitely not Pete Davidson. I'm My name's Barry. Um, I'll go Dave, Pete Davidson. Okay. Worst actress, Bryce Dallas Howard for Jurassic World Dominion. Diana Keaton for Mac and Rita. Kea Scudelero for The King's Daughter. And Alicia Silverstone <laughs> the Rekid. <laughs> Such a bad movie. <laughs> I love Rekid. Uh, I'm going to go Alicia Silverstone for The Requin, for sure. Yeah, that's a, such a shit movie. I would go with Kaya's Girl Rita for The King's Daughter, because holy shit, that movie. It was on my list of things to see this week, just because it was like... There was oh, so, so bad. And it I was got, so bad, Look, I was going to watch it last night, and I never did. So, <laughs> uh, Worst actor, Pete Davidson for Marmaduke, Tom Hanks for Pinocchio, Jared Leto for Morbius... Machine Gun Kelly for Good Morning, Sylvester Stallone for Samaritan. Which yeah, the, I mean these. This is a yeah. stack. This is the most stack category. Even this and the Oscars. This is the one that I have the hardest time with. It's either Tom Hanks or Jared Leto. I'm kind of glad you have to pick first because I, it narrows it down yeah. one less for me. Because <laughs> I think I any think one, any of these could win. Well, I think it's between Tom Hanks and Jared Leto, to be honest. Okay. Uh, they really love giving people that are Oscar nominated for something. Both of these guys are have won Oscars, though. Yeah, I will go with Tom Hanks. You're gonna go Hanks, okay? So yeah. it doesn't make my life a whole lot easier, but I'm gonna go Pete Davidson for Marmaduke. I go, I guess, because that was <laughs> our worst movie of the year, and hopefully, yes. and it's the only thing it's nominated <laughs> on here. So at least, hopefully, it gets something bad. Well, worst director, Jada Apatow for The Bubble, Andrew Dominic for Blonde, Daniel Esposisa for Morbius, Machine Gun Kelly and Mozart for Good Morning, and Robert Zemeckis for Pinocchio. I'm going to go Daniel Espinosa for I'm Morbius. Zemeckis. You're going Robert yeah. Zemeckis? Yeah, that's a good pick. Oh, I, yeah. I think Robert either of them have a good chance, and I actually think uh, the Machine Gun Kelly and this guy Modson also they got oh, a yeah. pretty good chance, yeah. Okay, uh, writing things down. Worst picture, Blonde. Uh, good Morning, The King's Daughter. 
Morbius or Pinocchio. We've said these same movies like multiple times at this point. Um, the King's Daughter. Really? Okay. Oh yeah. I will go with Morbius. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I think the one thing that would really push Morbius over is that people want, like, the reaction to it last year was so big that it winning yeah. is going to get them publicity that yeah. the other movies winning wouldn't get. You see what I'm saying? People yeah. are going to want to, like, uh, tag it on their post and say, oh my gosh, look, Morbius won this. Mor oh, remember Morbin time? I, I really think it's going to win just because they want the publicity for it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, hey, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Their new movie. Yeah, it says August 4th. It's supposed to come out. We've got uh, Micah Abbey... Uh, as Donatello, Nicholas Cantu from The Fablemans as Leonardo, Shaman Brown Jr. from The Shy as Michelangelo, and Brady Noon from The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers mm -hmm. as Raphael, Jackie Chan will be voicing Master Splinter, uh, and Ao Edribi uh, from The Bear will portray the longtime human April O'Neil. Oh, longtime human ally. I, who yeah, is and this? it's directed by who? I didn't see. Who is it directed by? Seth Rogen! Well, that's not good. You Are you no. happy about that? I feel like that's not good. No. I feel no. like that's going to go really wrong. Me too. Oh, she's the young apprentice from The Bear. I wondered who this was. April O'Neil. Ah. She's the one who comes in and gets a job. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, who? I thought maybe it was the wife <laughs> for a second. I was like, okay, right. sure. She's fine. She's, I mean, she's a yeah. decent actress. I liked her in The Bear, so. But uh, Seth Rogen directing. Yeah, that's mm. not going to be great. I mean, I don't know. It's it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so maybe it could be okay. Some of the last yeah. ones were awful, so you can't do any worse than that one <laughs> where they're, the ending was on top of a building or whatever, and it was this, oh, the yeah. silliest-looking animation. That was a horrible one. Ugh, that was terrible. I, I still remember fondly uh, when Seamus was, was Rocksteady, so there's that. Rocksteady and Bebop were just definitely like a, a cool thing to see because I grew mm -hmm. up with the cartoon, and the movies and the cartoons never really like... They never had the same um, lore, and so to like bring the lore from the one to the other was always... But that's more of like a nostalgia thing than anything else. I know that you saw Creed 1. Did you ever watch Creed 2? Not that I can remember, but it doesn't mean I didn't, me, because it's probably the exact same neither. fucking movie. <laughs> Every Rocky movie is the same movie, so I don't... Even if I did see it, I'd have a hard time remembering it. Well, let's talk about Rocky 3. I mean, Creed 3. I spent the last seven years of my life... Bo my boxing... Years. I did boxing. Rocky. My dad. This is built on their shoulders. Because boxing. Wake me up when this trailer is done. You get an autograph? No, I ain't signing an autograph, but you get off my car. You don't remember me, huh? 
pay me. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. Just got out last week. Glad to have you back out, huh? Um, not boxing. Come by the gym. Oh, I see. Hey. Thank you. I, I'm gonna fix your life with boxing. Because that's the answer to everything. It's just boxing. I was the best, though. But I never got a chance to That's cute. I know we keep boxing. What are you trying to hurt him? Uh, it's boxing, so. He's trying to hurt people. I vouch for you. You think you mad? What? I'm not going to like this movie. I probably won't see this movie, but. Something is going on with you. It reminds me of something. Like another. Movie. Oh, uh, Creed one and two, and then Rocky one, two, three, and four. That's what, that's what. I'm I, I know I've seen Rocky one and three, <laughs> and I know I've seen Creed one. That's uh, what I have seen. I don't want to see this movie. I'm so bored. Just watching the trailer It doesn't even make sense that this guy could be have gotten to the level where he would be fighting the other guy because the other guy's like been a world class boxer for years and the other guy's right out of prison, yeah. So hmm. So on this International Women's Day look, what is this Oscar nominated movie all about? Still dominating the boxing world, Adonis Creed is thriving in his career and his family life when Damien, a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, resurfaces after serving time in prison. He's eager to prove that he deserves his hot or his shot in the ring. A face-off between former friends is more than just a fight. To settle the score, Adonis would push put his future on the line to battle Damien. I know what it reminds me of, Fro. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what? It's uh what? It reminds me of Karate Kid 2. Remember? Mm. No, Karate Kid 3, which is the one where they go to Japan and he has to fight the guy at the end. That's what this is. I think that's 2 or 3, yeah. I think it might have been 3. I don't Do you remember Karate Girl. Karate Girl? No, I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Hey, Frank uh, is a ver verified user of uh, Rotten Tomatoes. He gives it half a star, Luke. Okay. And says, Tearjerker about cute little deaf girl was awful and contrived. Dream fight scenes was the same. Not enough good fight scenes. That's what Frank said. Okay. Dizzy Bees 2 from IMDb's the 10 out of 10. I love this film. What is it with IMDb names? I don't know. That always, always, always makes me giggle. I kind of think like, they're auto-generated or something and people just, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I love this film so much. I doubt I'll see it see a better film this year story was engaging the characters fleshed out and believable loved the father-daughter relationship and the, and the girl playing amara is a star in the making the boxing scenes are brutal in a way that feels very different from other films utterly adored tessa thompson 
potentially underused, and Michael B. Jordan, who was a hit, uh, who has hit a very high mark with his directorial debut. The only potential problem is that the timelines don't add up. But other than this, the film was so good it would even be possible to see uh, without seeing any of the Rocky or previous Creed movies. That's kind of a yeah. I mean, if okay. it stands on its own, is what they're saying. Cool. Also coming out this week, Operation Fortune. That you use it was uh, the trailer looks good. Trailer. Trailer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a lead spy Orson Fortune must track down and stop the sale of a deadly weapon technology wielded by billionaire arms broker Greg Simmons. Simons. Redective, <laughs> sorry, reluctantly uh, teamed up with some of the world's best operatives. Fortune and his crew recruit Hollywood's biggest movie star, Donnie Francesco, to help them on their globe-trotting mission to save the world. With Jason Statham, Adam Plaza, Hugh Grant, and Josh Hartnett. And Bugsy Malone! <laughs> Bugsy <laughs> Malone, okay. Huh? Palm trees and... That's Go ahead. That's a name I haven't heard in a uh, long time. It has 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 51% on Metacritic, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, but 90% of Google users liked it. Directed by Guy Ritchie, so. Bugsy Malone just sounds like a character from Dick Tracy. Uh, it does. Palm trees and power lines. <laughs> 17-year-old Leah spends her summer break aimlessly tanning in her backyard with her best friend, tiptoeing around her needy mother, and getting stoned with a group of boys from her school. This monotony is interrupted by a chance encounter. That's all it says. Uh, 6.7 out of 10 on IMB, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, 74% on Metacritic, 73% of Google users liked it. Um, it's apparently very controversial. I'm seeing a lot of things here saying, like, hmm... I don't know why yet, but hmm. maybe I'll look it. Maybe we'll look it up, up in a second. Hunt her, kill her. A janitor in the furniture factory finds herself in a fight for her life when she becomes the target of a sinister masked intruder. As their disturbing motives become clear, she realizes crafty instincts and makeshift weapons to make it out alive. That sounds interesting. Uh, 6 out of 10 on IMDb, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, 1.5 from Slant Magazine. <laughs> Whatever that is. Children of the Corn, uh, possessed by a spirit of a dying cornfield, a 12-year-old girl in Nebraska recruits other children in her small town to go on a bloody rampage and kill all the adults and anyone who opposes her. Soon, a bright high school student who won't go along with the plan becomes the town's only hope for survival. This has a whopping 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has 3.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 21% on Metacritic, 76% of Google users liked it. Nobody I've ever heard of in it, uh, but there's a lot of child actors that I'm seeing here. Uh, so obviously okay. you wouldn't have heard of them, you know, so... The Donor Party. A woman realized she do uh, doesn't need a husband to be a mother after a messy divorce and wasted years of online dating. 
Uh, this has a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. That's that's pretty good. Doesn't have anything on Rotten Tomatoes still, so there's that. Uh, apparently palm trees uh, and power lines is controversial because nobody wanted to pick it up. Like, no company wanted to take it because there's, like, a, a scene where she gets groomed in it, I guess, um, mm -hmm. by an older man, and people didn't want to touch that. Uh, yeah. The director says nobody wanted to pick this up, uh, and then it goes into, like, there's a specific scene that they wanted him to cut, but he said, I'm not cutting this, so, huh, interesting. Well, uh, I don't think it will be super surprising that I don't want to see Creed 3, uh, but what movie do you want to see the most? Operation Fortune, I guess. Uh, I have a morbid yeah, curiosity same. of Children of the Corn, because it's got 11%, and that's... <laughs> I liked the original Children of the Corn movies. I always thought they were creepy and weird and fun. I love them. They're totally not to be ma taken seriously. Like they're supposed to be funny, kind of jokey kind of movies. And it's probably Stephen King's worst novel, to be fair. Anyway, uh, uh, coming up. I don't yeah. know if I ever saw the novel, but there were so many sequels to Children of the Corn, I can't imagine it, like, stayed on the path with any kind of, like, logic, yeah. Right. Uh, well, coming next week, we will talk news of the week, TV and movies of the week, Eurovision, uh, probably talk about Sweden next week. Okay. Uh, Is it out? Oscars and Russia's... No. It's not out. Uh, it's, it's final this week, but, uh... uh I already know that Tattoo with uh, Loreen will win, but uh, hopefully. Knock on wood. Uh, anyway, Oscars and Razzie's results. Uh, uh, the 90s show, episode 8. We have to start thinking of what to do after. Okay, yeah. And another dig digital review of Scream 6. One of your most anticipated movies of this year. No joke. Uh, it could be good. I saw the trailer for it. and it you, looked... you had it on your list. Yeah. You had it on your list. I said oh, it, and I just said it could be good. Here. I don't know why you're surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you got all surprised that I said yeah. it could be good. I don't understand. Well, the last one was terrible, so. I don't think this is in the same vein as that one, though. That one was supposed to be like a weird. I think this one's supposed to come after five, right? That's what I assume. Yes. And it's got yeah, five Jenny Ortega in it, who is, uh, yeah. I think she's pretty, actually she was good in the things we've seen lately, so, uh, it has a chance to be okay. Okay, Jeremy Round. Uh, Mr. Beast Bars, um, there was like a big controversy <laughs> that people were saying he's using child labor because he tweeted something saying to, if you see a messed up display of Mr. Beast Bars to, to, fi to fix it up, right. I think it is the most stupid controversy ever. Well, there's a lot of people saying, like, uh, it's an interest, like, it could start something, is what a lot of people are suggesting. Like, yes, it's not, it's in kind of not a big deal if just Mr. Beast does it, but if all of a sudden right. all these influencers are telling their fans to do different things, it could, something bad could happen because they could be telling their fans to do things that are illegal or whatever else, I guess, you know? 
Uh, like yeah. for instance, he he had said, "Oh, if you see her Hershey's or whatever, maybe mess their display up." Which then he had to delete right. that tweet because that is like an actual crime. So. <laughs> Uh, I know that you don't care about football, uh, and I don't care about Liverpool, but they won seven nil against Manu uh, this week. That was fun. Okay, sound. But isn't it like happy. a boring game when it's that like lopsided though? Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, I hate uh, Manu. Oh, I see. So, so you're just happy I, about I was, that? Okay. Yes. 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 There was the most critical wrestling league video. Mm-hmm. Um, very indie kind of wrestling thing. He made it sound like because he released one video that was kind of announcing it was going to come out, um, saying, "Oh, we're going to do more of this. We got plans to continue this. I don't know if they will continue it, but I guess we'll see." It's you know the production value is super low as far as pro wrestling, even on YouTube, it's low production value. So. Uh, we'll see where they go with it. Do you think they're going to continue it, or just kind of, it was a one-off? I think it was kind of a one-off. I, I I don't know, though. I have a feeling they went into it thinking, oh, we might be able to do something here, and then mm-hmm. realizing that it's way more involved than they thought it was, probably. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's it's kind of it's. I I liked it. It was very indie, but I I I definitely liked it. I don't know if the some of it was, you know, uh, on purpose bad, or or if they just because maybe they were doing like some silly thing where they're trying to make it look more indie. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Instead of right. uh, having it having it feel. I don't know what's it, having it feel polished and things like that. They wanted it to feel kind of like mm, gritty and gross, but I don't know if that's true. I think they just didn't really know what they were getting into and didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> it's like Probably. being behind the scenes for so many years. There's a lot involved, like storyline mm. writers, uh, blocking and getting entrances correct, and like it, this just like seemed like something somebody shot in their you know, backyard, which that's what he was going for, I guess, but, uh, mm. I don't know if that's what you necessarily want. You probably want at least a somewhat higher production value than that. Like, not have them walk through a doorway, have, like, an actual entrance kind of thing. Because even, like, really low-rent backyard wrestling promotions have, like, an entrance ramp, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything else. Did you see the Eddie Burback Ghost Kitchens video that came out yesterday? 40 minutes on... Yeah, about... Yeah, I saw that, yeah. It very interesting stuff about... Uh, I mean, kind of the main thing was the Mr. Beast burger, but mm-hmm. I think what's more interesting is all the restaurants that don't actually exist except for on these apps. Because Mr. Beast burger is like uh, an entity. Like, there's somebody behind it, Mr. Beast where a lot of these restaurants, there isn't, like, a celebrity or somebody to point to to be like, oh, that's the person to blame. It's just some random, no-name Chinese restaurant or something that doesn't actually exist. So uh, Mm. he brought up a lot of really interesting points about... I don't ever use any of those things because I live out in the middle of nowhere. So it doesn't really affect me, but I thought it was interesting. 
Well, uh, I did find something interesting <laughs> this week. I I found a, a movie trailer. Uh, uh, and yeah, it came on off my radar because it's called Miss Chanteray versus Norway. Miss Ch Chatterjay? Chatterjay. Yeah. Versus Norway. Or Chatter G? Maybe Chatter G. Chatter G, yeah. Again, maybe we'll find out if we watch. Do you want to watch it? Sure. <laughs> it's it's which? Okay. okay. Give me In a three. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. <clears throat> and man, damn it. In Norway. May. M May. I don't think this is in English. I, I have subtitles on. <laughs> no, I have subtitles on. <laughs> but uh, a lot of the scenes are from Norway. Okay. But it's against the welfare system in Norway. Because they think, like... Okay. She's taking... Her kids are taken away. The welfare system in, in, in Norway took the children. Alfred has picked up the children without informing the parents. This couple here have been investigated for 10 weeks. Cultural differences could take in order to case for the update. Okay, because of cultural differences? Well, what are those cultural. What are you, unstable minds. This court rejects Mrs. Chatterjee's petition. No, 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 no. Both children will be wards of the state till they are 18 years old. <laughs> So this is based on a true story, and people are very upset in Norway because of this movie, because it's betraying Norway as this like terrible place to stay, stay in. Norwegian media has been like, this is a propaganda movie about about how bad Norway is, or at least like the uh, child welfare services, maybe. Yes. Maybe not all yes. of Norway, but. It has a weird, like, Christian propaganda feel to it. So yes. maybe that has to do with it. Production-wise, it looks like one of those Christian movies is like... I... Anti-abortion or something like that, maybe? Yeah. I can understand why, why it's so controversial in Norway, at least. That's probably not the best am, thing to I'm say to a judge. <laughs> I'm going to see this. <laughs> Just to see if it's... Like, I have to see it. Comes out it's Indian in two weeks, Bollywood it looks movie like. about Norway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. An Indian Bollywood movie about Norway. Who doesn't want that? I don't know if it's a Bollywood movie. I think you'd have to be made in India for it to be a Bollywood movie, right? I think so. Yeah. It definitely. Does it? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. If you say so. 
I mean, uh, by definition, it has to be made in Bollywood, right? So, yeah. That's why they call it Bollywood. Um, maybe, maybe they moved a lot of, like, Norwegian... Maybe they took a lot of, like, Norwegian shots and filmed the rest in, in Bollywood, maybe? I, I doubt it. <laughs> that looked like Norway... All looked like Norway to me, so... <laughs> it all looked Norway to me. Well, my name is Fro. My name is Luke. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody. Another, di another, digi another digital citizen. Another digital citizen. Another digital citizen. Another digital citizen. 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 Citizen.